Good morning. How's everybody doing? That's called real life right there. Right? You know, you see, like, she had her little coffee and everything ready to go, and then life happened. That is, that's why I like that video. That's real life. Uh, my name is Pastor Courtney. I'm here, and uh, probably you already figured out I'm not Pastor George. Um, <laughs> trying to figure out what y'all laughing. I'm trying to figure out what gave that away, because we, we're brothers. You know what I'm saying? You see the resemblance, right? Um, so they're, uh, him and some of the staff are Some of y'all <laughs> So uh, they're in they're in Africa right now and traveling and we'll continue to pray for them to give for God to give them travel and mercy and arrival grace while they're there doing everything that God's called them to do and uh, let's go ahead and pray so we can get get this thing going all right God we just thank you so much for who you are and um, we're ready to hear what you want to speak to every single one of us uh, through your word uh, God we pray that uh, you have your way in this service today and I pray that you increase as I decrease. And God, please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my strength, you are my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name, everyone say amen. All right, give your neighbor a high five. Tell them it's about to go down. It is about to go down. Hope you are wide awake. I only have one switch. Uh, either I'm off and that's when I'm asleep or I'm on, right? So when my feet hit the ground, um, if I yell at you today, I apologize. If I spit on you like you guys sitting over here in the front row and everything, just, it's the anointing, just rub it in and everything. So I apologize for that. My queen has an umbrella, maybe. Um, I have no sense, right? So I don't know what I'm going to say next. So please, I, anyway. Um, <laughs> so you guys have been in an awesome series, right, called uh, 21 Days of Prayer. Has, has it been blessing your life? Uh, been in this series, 21 Days of Prayer. And prayer, prayer is phenomenal. Prayer is awesome. And uh, even God in his word, he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. So we're going to continue in that series. Or actually, today we're going to get to close it out. So I'm the closer. It's not a timeshare or anything. I'm not coming in the, to sell you anything. But I close out the series today, and I'm honored to do that uh, for my, my great friend, uh, Pastor George. And, and uh, love him dearly, love his family dearly and everything. And so we're going to go ahead and dive in. But I want to give you a topic today. And today's topic is, who is calling the plays. Who is calling the plays in your life? Who's calling the plays in my life? And we're going to kind of talk in parable format today, which means I'm just going to tell a few stories. And, and I'm going to talk about sports because I got a sports background, uh, former football player, former Army, all that good stuff. I started football when I was third grade. I played all the way through third grade, um, played uh, elementary, junior high, high school, uh, played college, played semi-pro. And so, uh, and then today I'm going to use a reference of the Seattle Seahawks. Is that Okay. I figure there's a few Seahawks fans in, in the room. Uh, me and Pastor Scott, we're both Cowboy fans. And, um, and. Hold up, hold up. We'll do an altar call later because he clearly said, y'all. I'm telling you, man, look, okay. <laughs> the star is biblical, okay? The star on the helmet. When baby Jesus was coming into the earth, they said, follow the star. Oh, yeah, like, I'm going to need security before I get out of here. But we're talking about who's calling the plays in your life. And it's interesting because when you watch sports, you watch football, and we just finished up the Super Bowl and are going into the draft and all that stuff. When you watch the the sport of football, um, there's the players on the field, and they're doing all this awesome stuff. They're catching passes and throwing passes and making tackles and all these highlights and everything. But there's a group of people who are on the sidelines that really don't get a whole lot of props. There's a group of people who are are on the sidelines, and, and they look weird. They got, like, these khaki pants on and these shirts tucked in and these headsets on, and they're screaming at people yelling at people and they look mad and upset that is called the coaching staff that's called the coaches and every team has a head coach and how many know in our life we have a head coach and his name is God 
And we're in this, this game of life or this place of life. And it's interesting because that's who calls the plays in the game. Whenever the coach uh, is talking to the team and he's, he's yelling out plays and signals because there's a certain direction he wants the team to go in. He's trying to coach his team to the win. How many know that God is trying to coach us to the win in life? And the question I have is, who is calling the plays in your life? Who's calling the plays in my life? And God wants to call the plays in our life. And we're talking about prayer. Prayer is having a conversation with God, talking with God. How many knows the difference between talking to God and talking with God? When you talk to someone, maybe they don't ever get a word in. Where the fellas at in here? If you're married in here. Oh, I'm about to really get in trouble. Okay. Guys, we got to band together, okay? Y'all got my back? All right, let me, I'm going to dive into this, and I'm going to see if I live. <laughs> they, say, they say women have roughly about 15,000 words in a day. And guys, we have about 5,000. And we use about 400 or 4,995 of those words at work. So when we come home, we're at a word deficit. We're like got five words left. That's why we get home like sleep, tired, food, yeah, I'm out, right? <laughs> and they say women actually have about a good 10,000 left. And I come home sometimes and my queen is talking to me. <laughs> and she's boom, boom, she's downloading everything. And she says, great conversation, honey. And I'm like, I ain't get to say nothing. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a difference between talking to someone and talking with someone. And prayer is having conversation with God, talking with God, meaning I allow him to say something back. I allow him to communicate something back. And, and I learned in the, in the thought of prayer, typically I go to God, right? And, we, and I'm talking to him and I'm saying, hey, God, here, here's how my prayer goes. God, I, you know, clasp my little hands, get on my knees and everything. God, here's how my prayer goes. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. Here's when I want you to do it. Here's what it should look like. And I'll be back in Jesus' name. Amen. And God's like, yeah, about that. And I learned, I said, man, I want to have conversation with God. I want to talk with God because I want him to say something back. Because whenever God speaks, things happen. It's weird. Whenever God talks, something always happens. God never speaks and nothing happens. So whatever he says, something always happens. And so I said, man, I want God to speak in my life. If you don't believe me, watch this. Let's go, let's go to God's word in this real quick. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 33, verse 6 through 9. It says, the heavens were made by what? The word of the Lord. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all of the stars by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap. He puts the depths in the storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, he spoke, he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. You go to the book of Genesis, the very first thing that God does, God spoke everything into existence. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, then God said, let there be what? Light. Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 9, then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed and according to their kinds, and it was so. Whenever God speaks something in our lives, it becomes so. Whenever God speaks into let in darkness, he says, let there be light, it becomes light. Whenever God speaks into chaos, it gets into order. Whenever God speaks into a situation, it happens. Maybe some of you are in here today and you say, man, I, I'm learning this prayer thing and I'm, I'm learning what 
it means to have a conversation with God, but I need some things to change in my life. Is there anybody in here that needs some change in their life? It needs something to happen in their life. And so maybe it's that loved one that you need to come to come to Christ. And people's like, I remember when they were lost, but they're doing so good. Well, I'll allow God to speak and it became so. Well, what about your financial situation? I remember you were unemployed. Well, I'll allow God to speak into my situation and it became so. Do you realize that whenever God speaks into your life, he speaks into your situation, it becomes so. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I'm preaching out the headset, man. Let me tighten this thing up. It wasn't even ready. And I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for yelling because I'm a former army man and they say uh, we don't yell. We just simply speak in a tone of voice. That I heard a whoa. Where are we at? That's what I'm talking about, man. One, two, three, infantry, third striker brigade. Yeah, that's, what I'm that's my brother right there. He got my back. All right, so we just simply speak in a tone of voice that everyone in the room can hear. Can y'all hear me? Okay, good, good. But whenever God speaks, whenever God says something, it happens. And so when I come to prayer and I'm looking at prayer, I'm like, man, okay, God, I come to you with a lot of requests. I come to you speaking a lot of things, but you know what? I need to get a little more quiet. I need to allow you to speak some things in my life. And it's interesting. I'm going to give you the secret how to listen to God, how to listen to God. Y'all ready for this? It's real deep. I need to write this down, okay? How to listen to God. How to listen to God is this. Write this down. Here we go. Be silent. Some of are like, what? The word listen and silent use the same letters. Some of y'all are like, what? <laughs> the word listen and silent use the same letters. And let the women in the church say, hey, man, are you listening to me? <laughs> Is he silent? <laughs> the words listen and silent use the same letters. God gave us two ears, two eyes, one mouth. The eyes and ears equal input. Mouth equals output. Y'all think he was trying to give us a hint? (laughs) Listening to God. Getting silent in his presence. And I'm not saying that you can't go to him with requests. I'm not saying that you can't go to him. He wants us to come to him and ask us things and and request things from him and, and have that conversation. But the key is to have the conversation with him, giving him the opportunity to say something back. Because again, when he speaks on it, it happens. I find myself in my prayer time getting a little more quiet. I go to him with, 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 with my prayer and with the pray acronym, right? And I give him praise and, and I repent and, I, and I, I ask and I yield and I do all those things. And then I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear from him because, God, whenever you speak on it, it happens. Are y'all, are y'all hearing this today? So God is trying to make some things happen in our life. He is the head coach of our life. He is trying to communicate some things to us in our life. And here's the interesting thing about it is that the coach doesn't throw the pass. The coach doesn't throw the touchdown. The coach doesn't catch the pass. The coach doesn't make the tackle or interception. It's the player that does it. He works through the player. God wants to work through every single one of us. There's somebody on the other side of you yielding to God, having a conversation with him, allowing him. There's somebody else on the other side that you're going to come into their life and you're going to speak a blessing into their life. If you're going to come into your life because now you're yielded to the head coach. You're hearing the plays that he's calling. Who's calling the plays? Is it you calling the plays in your life? Or is it God calling the plays in your life? 
You know, it's interesting, man, growing up, we would play, you know, football in the streets and everything, and we'd get all our little rocks and all of that, and look, this is you, the brown rock, and I'm over here, and no, I don't want to be that one, dude. Okay, give me that one. I'll trade you. All right, you're that one. You know, we're trying to draw out the plate, and okay, here, here's what we're going to do. Y'all remember drawing it in your hand and stuff like this? And like, okay, you're trying to hide from another team. Okay, this is you right here. Okay, bro. No, listen, pay attention, dude. This is you, okay? Listen, I'm going to need you to run zigzag, zigzag like this, zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. No, five zigzags, not six. You did six. I need you to five zigzag. Okay, you, I'm going to need you to run and turn in circles like this, and then run across right there and then I'm gonna do like this mm, 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 uh, uh, and then I'm gonna throw it to you and you need to be where and how many know how to play usually just falls apart <laughs> I found myself like that in life drawing out my own plays this is how my career is gonna go this is how that's gonna happen and and sometimes it just doesn't so I got anybody else in here that, that can relate to that so who's calling the plays in our life let me read you a couple of definitions real quick. It says the relationship between, and we'll use Russell Wilson today. I'll be nice. I thought about using, hey, that hurt, man. Hey, hey, no Dak Prescott. That was painful, man. That hurt. That was. Laugh is good medicine. But I'm going to use Russell Wilson. And the interesting thing, it says the relationship between the NFL quarterback and the play caller is perhaps the most important of all sports. No other position can have a greater impact on the game. No other coach has greater influence on the quarterback's ability to function at the highest possible level on game day. There is a play calling system in American football. It is the specific language and methods used to call plays in our lives. Do you realize that God is wanting, again, to call plays? He has a specific method and a message he's trying to, he's trying to get, make happen with us. And, and guess what? You are the quarterback. You are the quarterback in your life. And, and God is trying to call plays in your life. But it takes a relationship. It takes communication back and forth. It takes you understanding his voice and being able to hear his voice and, and how he's speaking to you. You know, the interesting thing is, like, uh, if you're married in here, it's funny because you know why you know your wife's voice so well? Like, literally, they can put you in a room, blindfold you, and your wife can begin speaking, and you will be able to pinpoint your wife's, wife's voice. You know why that is? It's because of the time that you have spent with her. You say, how do I know God's voice? How much time have you been spending with him? And in order to know her voice, she has to be able to speak. Are y'all hearing this today? So let's get to point number one. Y'all ready? Okay, we got one and a half already. Okay. Number one, prayer builds trust. Prayer builds trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, it says, Trust in the Lord with what? Two-thirds of your heart. Trust in the Lord with half your heart. Trust in the Lord with 99.9% of your heart. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. Do you realize you only trust the people you know? You only trust who you know. Know him and he will make what? Your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Prayer builds trust. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my girls, we do this trust game and I was just doing it with them another day. And we do the, was it the fallback game? You know, where you 
you know, cross your arms and close your eyes and you fall back, right? And so uh, it's funny because my six-year-old, she's just wild like that, man. I'm like, hey, close your eyes, fall back in the day. She's like, okay, cool. She goes back. And I'm still trying to explain. I was like, whoa, I almost failed her. I was like, oh, I, man, you're talking about me diving, trying to catch her, right, and everything. And so Destiny, in my fact, my youngest, she's just one of those that just jumps off of everything. Anybody got a kid like that? Like, you know, but they, you're not ready, but they're like, daddy, catch me. And you're like, oh. And, man, I'm sprinting like, oh, man, like, boom, spin, move. I'm on highs, man. And I'm diving. I do the catch, and I hold her up, like, for the ref to see. Really, is my queen. I got her, babe. Like, I, I made the catch. I got her. She's good, right? Like, whoo. Like, she'll just jump out of nowhere. So she's like, okay, dad, boom. She falls back, and I catch her, right? And I'm good. I'm good. Then I get to my oldest, man, 12. Like, come on. Come on, Trina. Let's get it. Let's fall back. She was like, mm. you know, the heels are dug in. I'm like, fall back, baby girl, but don't look. She's like, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to come closer, right? So she does this, and then she does it, and I catch her right here. And I said, okay, good, good. I'll scoot back a little bit more. And I catch her, right? And after a, few, after a few runs through it, I'm like, you know what dad did, right? I got low. I go catch it right here. So she's falling because she's like, oh, yeah, dad's caught me all those times. So she's on her way down, and then she realizes, okay, this is not the point. You usually catching me right now. Mel's eyes come over. She's grabbing for everything. But I'm like, boom, I got you. And I raised her back up. I said, I got you. You thought I, you thought I wasn't going to catch you? She's like, man, I don't know where, right? What's the difference between the two? Destiny doesn't know any better. She's like, I just trust him. I don't know any better. Boom. Trinity has learned some things. She's bumped her head before. She's had some failures in life. She's had some things not, not come through in life. So she's learned. Watch this. Do you realize that every human being, we're only born with two fears, loud noises and bright lights? Dead serious. Loud noises and bright lights. Those are the only two fears we're born with. Everything else is learned. Hmm. What have you learned? It's maybe causing you to dig your heels in. Not fully trust God. Our pastor talks about God as a funny, funny dude. He'll take you on a diving platform or, you know, a swimming pool. And he'll say, hey, go ahead and jump in the swimming pool. And you're like, there's no water down there. He said, I know, I'll fill it up on the way down. You're like, like on the way down, like, can I get like a, a drip going on? No, just jump. I'll fill it up on the way down. Don't worry, before you, before you get there, it'll be there. Like, you do know I don't make any sense, right? I know I'm God. I don't make sense. I just, I make faith. I don't do facts. I do faith. Oh, man, that's a whole other topic. But having a conversation with God. Hearing his voice, it builds trust because God's never dropped a pass. God has never dropped anyone. He catches every single one of us when we step out there in faith. So our conversation with God in this 21 days of prayer, God has has been doing a thing in your life. He says, man, I'm trying to get you to build the trust with me, the trust factor, because it takes the trust factor. Let's look at number two, point number two. Point number two is study the playbook. Point number two is study the playbook. I don't know why I walked over there and I kind of come back over here. I'm just a pacer. Okay. Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the vice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions. And he meditates on it what? Day and night. He meditates on it when? Day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. 
Then you got Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction of my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed where? In whatever you do. Whenever the player arrives on the team, he's handed this thing called a playbook. They say, here, here's the playbook. Study the playbook. Well, what is our playbook? Our playbook is the Bible. God hands us the Bible. He says, I need you to study the playbook. I need you to understand how I think. I need you to understand how I, how I function. So whenever I begin to also speak to you, I can speak to you through my word. I can speak to you through the playbook. I can speak to you in our, in our long time. So whenever I begin to talk to you, we got a relationship happening. So when I call the play, you know what's going on. You know, it's funny, uh, from the, the great state of Oklahoma, and that's how you got to say it, the great state. And interesting, the great state of Oklahoma, um, you're sitting there and we're playing football and we, in, we implemented uh, this, this office called the wing T. And the wing T is a lot of deception running around in the backfield, so it's kind of like a lot of this going on, right? And the first practice we had with the wing T, man, we looked like the bad news bears. I mean, we were running into each other, clobbering all over each other. We just looked horrible because it was a brand new playbook that we had to study. Our language and had to change. And once we got that, and everybody was laughing because they was watching our practices. I kid you not, man. Uh, we were tripping over each other, running into each other in the backfield. And it just looked horrible. We like, Coach, you done lost your mind, dude. Let's go back to this other offense for this. And all. this is the one. This is the one. Get, get the playbook. Stay the playbook. Get our language in together. And it's, it's interesting because, man, we, when we got it together and the season started, man, we were slaughtering teams in the state. And it was so funny, man. I used to be out there. I was that dude that was on the football field. I was funny. And I used to laugh at other people. So the whole point of the wing T is they would do a fake handoff to somebody, and you think they got the ball. So you see this dude chasing this guy down and tackle him, and then he'd get up and he don't got the ball. And I would be laughing, hey, 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 you thought he had the ball, right? <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> and then somebody else got the ball, you know, right? Anyway, I don't know why I just told y'all that. But studying the playbook. Studying the playbook of life, which is through God's word. God is saying, I need you to get into the scriptures. I need you to, to understand the things that I'm trying to communicate, the plays that I'm trying to call in your life. Psalm 139, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I read this passage about two years ago, and it just messed my world up because as you, as you look at that, it says all of our days. All of our days are already formed and written, written down. He's already got it all planned out. He's already got it figured. He has the playbook of your life ready to go. And me and God, we have this conversation. He's like, yo, Courtney. And that's just how we talk to each other. I'm like, yo, what's up? He was like, hey, can I talk with you real quick? I was like, yep. And he said, um, I've been great at partnering with you. I said, indeed you have. You've been a great God. He said, I've always shown up. I said, yep. He said, I've always... Been there for you. I said, yep, man, you do. You don't point. You don't point. He says, yeah, uh, can we do something a little different this year? Like, what do you mean different? He's like, uh, I want to switch something up a little bit. I said, what, what is that? What do you want to switch up? You know, I didn't panic because y'all didn't panic. But if something would have came out to kind of come after me, man, y'all to see me. Man, thank you, bro. Yo, can we clap it up for him, man? Hey, come on, give us some props. Dude, I was low-key scared. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I was just trying to keep it together for, you know. 
That's probably why I kept coming over here. And I was like. <laughs> but y'all seem calm, so I'm like, okay, you the new dude. So it's just ain't natural, bro. Ain't natural. But I kept coming over here, like, I was reading these scriptures kind of fast. I was like, eh, let's get back over here. Let me hang out over here. <laughs> okay, now I get to preach to y'all, too. Okay. Look, now I'm going to be over here, like, now I'm going to be all leaned up. <laughs> Wow, can't make this stuff up. But, but here, here God is, he said, I want to do something a little different. I said, okay, what's up? He was like, you know, typically you come ask me to walk with you. I said, yeah, you know, like God, come be with me, come help me, come bless me, right? right? Who, who doesn't want God with them, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. He said, but can we do something a little bit different? He says, um, how about um, you walk with me? And I was like, I'm confused. What do you mean? He was like, you walk with me. I was like, uh, I don't understand. What are, you, what are you saying, God? You mean you want me, me, like here's you, God, and here's me. And so you want me, because we get brand new when God wants to change it up, right? So you want me to walk with you. He said, yeah, that's what I said. I said, I'm confused. I was like, I like it when you walk with me. Like, things have been great. Haven't we been good? He said, yeah. He said, but I want you to walk with me now. So what you're saying is, is, this is me, this is you. He's like, yeah. i like, and you want me to walk with you. He's like, that's what I said. I was like, man, I don't get it. He was like, I want you to follow me. Okay. So this is you, God, and this is me. And the way this usually works is, is I'm me and you, you, right, where you are, and I'm me where I'm, you know, where I'm at, and then I'm like, God, we're going this way. Let's go, you know, can you come be with me? And normally you walk with me, you follow me, but you want me and you be you, and you want to go that way, and you want me to come with you. He's like, yep. So I'll think about it. Because I don't know exactly where you might want to go. Can we be real? I might not want to go where, I know I want to go where I want to go. But I might not want to go where you're going. But here it is in Psalm 139. It says that all of our days are already ordained and written in his book. He says, can you get better at partnering with me? And there's a dude named Enoch. It's interesting because he's known as a man who walked with God. And now my ultimate goal is become is like on my tombstone one day. It is said that Courtney walked with God because as I'm walking with him, that means he's in the lead and he, he's taking charge and he's taking control. But I mean, that can be really scary because I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. And we're talking about first the conversation with them and building trust. And now here we are saying, like, man, all of my order. But here's the, here's, the, here's the reality, though, is that he said all of your days are already written and ordained. Man, what would it be? How awesome would it be in our life if we just figure out what he's already written down and just get in alignment with that? Have you noticed a train is always trying to stay on the tracks? It's not fighting to get off. It's called derailment. So I fight to get in line with what he's already written for my life. 
in the playbook of my life. You want to do that for every single one of us. Every single one of us has a playbook of your life with your name written, special things written just for you. You know, trick plays written just for you. Things written just for you. I remember in, in, in football, they would have, we had this play called the 85 counter, and that was my play, man. That was specially made for me. That's the only play I wanted to hear in the huddle. They get in the huddle, they call these other players, like, ah, I'm sorry, we'll do what we do. They say, hey, 85 counter, I'm like, yeah, well, we about to eat. 85 counter, you know, you get different when they call your play, right? God has a whole slew of plays with your name on it. That he's wanting to call in your life. And he's saying, will you allow me to call the plays in your life? So let's look at, look at point number three. We're talking about sports. We're talking about football. Point number three is call a timeout. Prayer is a way to call a timeout. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. It says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Menunites, that's a lot of ites, man, right? Came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat a vast number a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already at Hazazan Tamar, that is in Engadai. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. Pay attention to that. Jehoshaphat was afraid, but says that he what? Resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. When we walk in the where God wants us to be in life, we'll end up in a blessed state. Whenever we follow the playbook and we walk how God wants us to walk, we end up doing well. And sinner, so here's King Jehoshaphat. Life is good, man. He, is, he doesn't live in Seattle. He doesn't live in Olympia with all this rain. He's probably like in, in, in like California somewhere, you know what I'm saying, Palm Springs or somewhere, kicked up, chilling, relaxing, lemonade, life is good. And then all of a sudden, life changes without his permission. Y'all realize that, right? Life does change without your permission, right? You realize it doesn't ever ask you? Even give you, I would love like life to text me the night before and be like, yo, when you wake up, man, I'm about to blow up your world. But good night, nighty night, sleep tight, <laughs> right? Email, hey, shoot me a little email, Instagram, and yo, I'm about to mess your world up and you get up in the morning, just a little heads up. No, you wake up and it's a knock on the door, it's a phone call, it's a text message, it's, it's a mail coming in. Life changes without your permission. So here's King Jehoshaphat, he's chilling, he's hanging, and life changes without his permission. All of a sudden, all of these attacks are starting to come against, not just one army, not just two, but three different armies are coming at this dude, about to take him out. And they're like, yo, bro, they're coming at you. And it's funny because it's like, dude, he got afraid. I like that part. Can we just get real? He got afraid. He was like, man, I don't know what to do. But the first thing he did is, like, I'm going to seek the Lord. In other words, this is what he did. He called a timeout. You know, it's in sports, and then you watch a game. All of a sudden, the team, the, the, one of the quarterbacks or somebody will call a timeout because maybe some chaos is happening in my life that I don't understand. And they call a timeout. And the purpose of the timeout is go to the sideline to talk with the coach. Prayer is a way to call time out in your life. How many ever had just nonsense just happen in your life or things that maybe you didn't understand happen in your life? And God says, just call a time out. Come to the sidelines to come talk with the coach. And here's the cool part about the time out. It puts everybody on time out. Master gave you a million dollar secret. Even a team that's coming against you has to go to timeout. Whenever you call a timeout in your life, he says, God, I'm coming to call a timeout. I need to pray about this. Even the enemy has to go on a timeout. That was good right there. 
Even the enemy has to go on a timeout. He said, oh, they call a timeout. They got to talk with the coach because they never come to the sideline. Uh, uh. The enemy can't get around God. They, they don't mix. So whenever you call a timeout to go and pray to God, you seek him and you get on your knees and you're, and you're seeking God in prayer. It's calling a timeout. And it's funny because the enemy can also misread that. He sees you on your knees. And I love this quote. A buddy of mine is getting a sign made for me. He said, the enemy saw me on my knees and thought, thought he had already defeated me until he heard me say amen. Man, that gets my blood going. Because I'm on my knees, that's the, fat, that's the strongest place that I can be in. It's on my knees. And the enemy may think he has you defeated or he has you figured out. But no, that's my strongest place. And I'm, I'm talking with my coach because the coach has a different perspective of life. He has a different perspective of the game. God has a different perspective of what's going on. And you call a timeout to come to the sidelines to get with them. Are y'all hearing this today? Am I yelling again? Are y'all good? Did I spit on you yet? Okay, good. She said, no, okay. I need to preach harder then. Give me just a moment. I'm warming up. No, I'm not going to spit on you. I promise. She was like, yo, bro. <laughs> but calling a timeout in our life, getting on our knees to come to the sidelines and, and talk with the head coach, to talk with God, to, to get communication with them, to figure out what's going on in life. And it's so here's King Jehoshaphat and all of this stuff is coming against him. And let me help you out real quick. Sometimes maybe things are going wrong in your life, not because it's your fault. Could it be that maybe you're doing everything right? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you watch football, they kick the ball off and you catch it on the other end. And there's a, there's a, you're trying to score. You're on the offense and you're trying to move downfield to, to score. And it's interesting because the defense sets up and their whole goal is the defense is to stop you from scoring. And they have a normal defense package in where it's the normal defense. But there's a place that you get to when you're close to scoring. It's called the red zone where you're about 20 yards out. And that's when the blitz package turns up in your life. That's whenever they get all the big boys out and they just try to get everybody in there because now you're you're becoming a threat and you're about to score. Could it be that maybe the reason why things are stacking up on you in life at times is simply because you're closer to the breakthrough, you're closer to the healing, you're closer to whatever you're trying to go after, and it's not necessarily anything you're doing wrong. It's possibly everything that you're doing right. That's when the enemy turns it up and he says, oh, we can't let them score because watch this. If they get the breakthrough, if they get the miracle, if they get the understanding, if they get that, then they're going to want to do it again because scoring is fun. You score on somebody, like, oh, I'll be back, bro. I'll be back in a minute. I used to talk noise like that. Like Sometimes we even celebrate. I score up like, man, I've been here before. I'll be back. It's my address right there. You can deliver my mail here. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. You know what I'm saying? Whenever they score, because the enemy knows, man, if they, if they start having some any type of success in life and start getting their life changed, if they do, they're going to like that, and they're going to come back and do it again. So I got to do everything in my power to try to stop them. But then I do a timeout because nonsense starts to pop up in my life. Things start to show up, and I don't understand. That means I'm about to score. Me and my queen have always realized every time before a great breakthrough, just nonsense breaks out in our life. I say, oh, yeah, we're about to score, baby. So let me call the timeout. You know, the interesting thing about sports, you only get three times out. In life, we can take as many timeouts as we want. Sometimes I find myself taking the timeout every five minutes. Timeout, timeout. Sometimes I look at me, timeout. Hey, 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 stop. Yep, timeout. Can't do nothing. Timeout. Mm, you got you. Timeout. Yeah. <laughs> Are y'all hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm sweating. I need my preacher rag, man. Y'all okay? Y'all good? Prayer's a way to call timeout. I heard y'all been calling timeouts. Me and your pastor be on the phone, man, and we be chopping it up. And man, when I call a pastor, I got to block out like 45 an hour. 
Because we're just going to get it in and talk. He was sharing with me about a miracle of a, of a baby girl that you guys have been praying for and praying for and, and the miracle that has happened in her life. I was watching and I was like, man, so I've been behind the scenes even in the time. You realize the timeout affects everybody. You at home watching TV, everything. When they call timeout, it affects everybody. So here it is. I'm hearing you guys are praying to God about this miracle. You're, you're calling the timeout because maybe the enemy tried to do something in her body, but everybody was calling the timeout, coming together and praying in community and coming together. So there's, there's the individual timeout, but how many know there's the corporate timeout where we all come together? Do you realize that um, the Department of Transportation, right, understands the power of fellowship and community? You know how I figured that out? It's called the HOV lane. <laughs> How do you get to drive in that lane? Some of y'all might be, don't, don't be illegal in here. <laughs> it's supposed to be like two, two or more, right? Let me help you out. You realize there's a difference between being around community and being in community? Being around community is called traffic. Y'all been down I-5, right? Man, okay, let me just say this. Get this off my chest. I did it last service. I'm going to do it again, so I want to make sure y'all hear this as well. This is deep theological stuff, so listen well. Listen close. Slower traffic is supposed to keep to the right. Let the church say Amen. My salvation gets tested day after day on I-5. Slower traffic supposed to be to the... Unless you're passing. If you're not passing, I'm not talking about passing time. (laughs) Passing another vehicle, then you move over to the right. Like, we can end church right there, right? We're done. Good. God bless you. So, uh, as you guys came in and parked today, we took pictures of all your cars. So, if I see you out on I-5 and you're camping out on the left, I'll be like, yo, I preached that. Get over. You know, right? anyway, I'm just kidding. Y'all pray for me. Man. I didn't have road rage, so I moved up here. Let me give you one more. See, last Thursday didn't get there. Let me give you one more. Yield doesn't mean stop. <laughs> like at the roundabouts. Oh, we met. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Okay, I'm with you now. Amen. If you're coming to the roundabout and there's nobody else rounding about it, you just keep rolling on through, right? It's not a stop sign. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Y'all pray for me, okay? And pray for everybody else who said amen too because we're working some stuff out. Y'all pray for us. Where was I at, man? Let me get back my notes. Where was I at? Ah, community. But being around community versus being in community. Because, see, a lot of people are around community. It's called traffic. And they're in gridlock in life, but they say, I'm around it. They think they're in it, but really they're just around it. Because you can roll down your window and touch the car next to you, but that's called traffic. Getting in community is more beneficial to your life. And actually, when you get in community, you become closer. You get more intimate, and you begin to have to ride together, and you get closer together. And how many of you know that the HOV lane moves just a little bit faster than the rest of Traffic. 
But I don't know if they're saved at the Department of Transformation. Transformation? I guess it is transformation. <laughs> transform my life, right? <laughs> I get selfish, man. I'm like, yo, you going anywhere? Come roll with me. I got to get in the HOV lane. I need community. I need to be in community, right? It moves a little bit faster. But there's something to that because whenever we get closer together in community with one another, life moves a little bit faster and moves a little bit better. So people get in and they carpool and they chip in. Hey, I'll chip in on gas. I'll chip in on food. Can you imagine us getting together? I'll chip in on prayer. I'll chip in on some faith. I'll chip in on some belief. I'll chip chip in on being there late at night to be able to answer your phone call. I'll chip in to be able to just maybe just have an arm around you when you're going through. I'll chip in on all of this stuff. And, and how many know that life just moves a little bit better whenever we're in community versus being around community? Bro, that was good. Man, yo. I just... I'm off the chain. It's... They probably kick me out of here after this. All right. Yeah, I understand what I'm saying. And so even in the power of coming together in corporate prayer together, whenever the church calls a corporate prayer meeting, it says, hey, the whole team comes to the sideline in a huddle to hear from the coach. To hear from God, and that's the power of coming together. Let's look at number four. Number four, point number four is look up. Now, I'm sorry, I tried to figure out something awesome and deep to say on point number four. That's all I got. Look up. Look up. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? And this is King Jehoshaphat. For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. Anybody ever felt powerless in life before? Anybody ever felt like, man... There's nothing I can do. Watch this. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. I don't have all the answers, but we look to you. If you watch the game of football, and it's interesting because the Bible says that we're, we're here born in this world, but we're not from this world. And so really, we're like the visiting team. And whenever you get close to scoring, the enemy's job is to cause a lot of noise in your life. You know, it's funny, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and tell this story. He's in a room. I'm not going to bust him out, but he's in a room. But anyway, so uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm proud of it. And um, <sighs> so last football season, there was a game here in Seattle where my beloved Cowboys visited. You know, we came, was visiting the team. And uh, I had two friends. And so, and this, and the moral of the story is really just choose your friends wisely. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I had one friend who did a Christian wager with me. He was like, yo, uh, Cowboys in town. I'm like, yeah, what? Uh, what's, what's up? Let's do this, right? And he was like, hey, whoever loses, you know, did a little Christian wager, you know, a little Christian bet. And he was like, yo, whoever loses got to wear the other team's jersey. So you know what I said? Like, dude, what size you wear, bro? I got you. I'm going to get you, man. I'm going to get you the Tony Romo jersey, see? Um, <laughs> and so there's that. And then my other boy said, yo, hey, man, we love you guys. We got your tickets to the game. I was like, bro, that's what's up. So I get home, and I talk to my, my queen, then it hits me. I was like, yo, we going into the lion's den, man. It's Seahawk country. I was like, baby, here's the deal. Here's my will and testament. Because we're going in there, and I, we might not come out. And uh, I'm going to make sure you live, though. I'm going to make sure I'm going to lay down my life for you. I love you. Okay? And whatever happens, just tell my story. Tell my story. Tell how I fought. And I clawed. And I say, you know, just tell my story. Tell them, tell them what happened. Because if they weren't there, they won't, they won't know. Somebody needs to know what happened there. 
I said, so if, we, if I don't come out of this alive, you got to tell my story, okay? Get my shoes to, you know, my boy over here, you know, get my shirts to him. And, you know, I, I was distributing because it's real. And, of course, you know, you can't walk in like you're scared. So I'm walking in like, what? We on our way to the game. I'm like, man, psst, I ain't scared. Inside heart, like, but I'm like, psst, I ain't scared, right? And it's funny because we get there, and my friend is like, we sitting in the hawk's nest. <laughs> so in my mind, <laughs> I said, cowboy fan, seahawk is a bird, nest, sounds like I'm food. <laughs> and this is my friend, by the way, so choose your friends wisely. And we're walking into the hawk's nest, and man, I'm like, oh my God, what's about to happen to my life? Like, I'm, you know, I'm making sure I'm saved, everything is good, me and God are good, you know, everything. I'm like praying, I'm just doing the whole, I'm like, man. So I'm in the hawk's nest, but on the outside, I was walking up the stairs like, what? But I was like, please, don't, man, please, Lord Jesus, keep us safe. And so we're up there, and the game starts, and everybody's clapping because the game scores zero to zero. And then the Seahawks score. And everybody's clapping. And I'm like, why y'all clapping? That's what they pay him to do. He scored a touchdown. Big deal. <laughs> y'all are weird. And then they would get a first down. They'd be like, first down. I was like, these weirdos, man. All this clapping and cheering for touchdowns and catching passes, man. Who does that? I was salty. So <laughs> long story short, we uh, lost that game. And then the next weekend, I was preaching. You can't make this stuff up. I was preaching the next weekend, and uh, so I was up there on stage. I had to honor my word. I'm up there on stage in Seahawks gear. Anyway, y'all pray for me. <laughs> but as you're watching the game, though, every now and then the quarterback will have to look up to the sideline to get a signal from the coach. So here's King Jehoshaphat. Things are coming against him in life. And he calls, a, calls like an audible play, and he's looking to the sideline to get an idea of what does the coach want to speak into his life? What is the coach trying to say to me? And when I look at this passage, I said, I don't know what to do. I don't understand, but look up. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading to every single one of us is in prayer is our opportunity to look up to God, to seek God's face, to see God. What do you have to say on the matter? And, you know, it's interesting because kids will teach you a lot. Kids will teach you so much. And, you know, in church, sometimes you'll see people raise their hands, right? And you've seen little kids whenever they, um, they want you and they be like uppy or up, up or whatever, what do they do? They raise their hands. It's a method to the madness. And what do you do as the dad, as the father? You pick them up. You imagine when we come to God and we go to him and we seek him in prayer and we lift our hands in worship, we're saying, up, God, will you bring me up? And guess what? Just like any loving father, God comes down and he swoops us up in his arms. And the interesting thing about it in the natural is our kids get too heavy. My, my, you know, my six-year-old, I'll still pick her up. But my 12-year-old, hey, baby girl, man, we're just going to remember the days I used to pick you up, right? <laughs> but with us, God, with God, it never, we never get too heavy. We never get too big. We never get too old. That God always, every time we lift our hands and say up to God, we say up, God, he comes and he swoops us up in his arms and he always is there to carry us through life. If we would just look up to him, even when we're powerless, even when we don't understand, that's the power. That's why I love this verse. It says he was afraid, but he resolved to seek the Lord and says, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you. Pick me up. And it's interesting, man, my daughter, 
she has this thing called shoulders. And what I mean by that, she'll come, Dad, shoulders? And what she's saying is she's asking me to lift her up and put her on my shoulders to carry her around. Because I mean, you know, whenever we get up with God and we get up on his shoulders, the view of life changes just a little bit. And it's funny, man, because she doesn't ever want to get down. I go to put her down and she about chokes me out. She locks those legs. I'm like, oh, baby, I'm about to pass out. (laughs) But you know, the the weird thing about me is I, I figure life out a bit and I want to get down. When I need to have a heart like my daughter and just want to, God, I just want to stay up here. I don't ever want to get down. But I figure life out and I get smarter and I, I learn some things. So I say, okay, God, I'm cool now. Let me get back down. And I find myself again up, up, up. But my ultimate goal in life is just to stay up there because the view is just a little bit different. You know, it's interesting because let me say this next quote for you real quick and drop this one. I'll explain it. If it's above your head, it's below his feet. If it's above your head, it's below his feet. I remember one time we went to a swimming pool, and my daughter, you know, she was a little bit nothing, and the water was above her head, but it was below dad's feet, so I would pick her up, and I would walk around in the pool with her because I was standing taller than the situation of life with the water that she was dealing with. Are y'all hearing this today? If it's above your head as it was with King Jehoshaphat, it's always going to be below his feet. And so I always seek and look to him. It's like King Jehoshaphat, because sometimes I just don't know what to do. Are y'all good? All right, point number five, y'all ready? Number five, this is so weird. Throw a tailgate party. Some are like, what? What type of sermon is this? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 through 22. In the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in the front of the armed forces, they kept singing, giving thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The reason I say this is interesting to throw a tailgate party, because tailgaters are weird. They wake up early. They show up to the stadium or the game, and a lot of them go in to watch the game. They show up and they get in the parking lot, and the next thing you know, they just start they just start woohooing and cheering, and nobody has scored a touchdown. No one, the game hadn't even started, and they're just out there, woo, this tailgate party, right? I got any tailgaters in here? Oh, there you go, see? <laughs> Y'all are weird. <laughs> but you know what? There's power in that. Let me tell you what the power in that is. Is the person who goes to the tailgate, they're not waiting on the outcome to go ahead and begin celebrating. <laughs> most people have after parties they've seen what happened they've seen the outcome so now now i'm going to go ahead and celebrate now i'm going to go ahead and, and throw the streamers out no a tailgater they're just a little bit weird because no one has caught a pass yet no one has made a tackle yet nothing has transpired yet but yet they're already out there having a great time they're already out there singing and having a blast and here we are seeing king jehoshaphat and his crew they said look we look to god we don't know what else to do but god you're going to come through for us and, and then they say look we might as well go ahead and have a tailgate party so they said they went out singing and giving praises to god and it's crazy because 
God set an ambush against the enemy and they took their own selves out. And it's terrible because they threw a tailgate party before they knew the outcome was going to happen. In other words, they begin to give God praise. They begin to give God glory without knowing the outcome of what's going to happen. And there's something powerful in that because the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. God will inhabit your praise. And the powerful part about that is that what, what does that mean? Whenever I begin to praise and I begin to give God glory, that means he shows up on the scene wherever I'm at, whatever my location is, he comes to that location. And because God is a God of order, meaning anything out of order can't exist when he shows up. If there's something out of order, when God shows up on the scene, it has to get in order. I got mothers in here. How many of you know your child's cry? Come on now. It can be like a million kids in the room, but some are like, oh, that's my baby crying right there. That's my baby yelling out my name. I know my kid's voice. It's so powerful because can you imagine God in heaven, when you begin to open up your mouth and give him glory, it does this to God. Oh, that's my baby down there. (laughs) I know their voice. And he comes to show up and he sees what's going on and whatever is out of order has to get in order. Because he's a God of order. You know, there's a story in Acts chapter 17. There's these two dudes, Paul and Silas, and they were in jail. They're locked up and they're in, in chains and everything. And it says something very powerful. It said at midnight, they began singing and praying to God at midnight. Now, what's so significant about midnight? They began singing and praying and said suddenly the whole prison shook and everyone's chains fell off and everyone's doors came. All the prison doors came open and it was so powerful in that moment. You say, what's so significant about midnight? Now, I got a question for you. In God's word, it says that weeping endures for the night. So crying happens in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Crying happens in the night. Joy comes in the morning. I got a question for you. What happens at midnight? When does morning happen? At midnight, is it still dark? But when is morning? Is it still dark? But when is morning? They understood, though my situation may still look dark, even though it may not seem like it's gotten any better, it says that joy comes in the morning. So now it's midnight, it's time to have joy. I'm going to give God praise regardless of what it looks like. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to thank God anyway. I'm going to thank God in advance. Before I see the outcome, because I know that we learned earlier when God speaks on something, it becomes so. I wonder how many of you here need to just go throw your own private tailgate party. People are going to think you're weird. Like, dude, why are you celebrating, man? You're still unemployed. Why are you celebrating? Her healing hasn't come yet. Why are you celebrating already? Now you don't understand. I celebrate in advance because I know God will come. This gets God's attention. He said, man, that's just, that's just backwards. Can you imagine God like, yo, man, this guy has put me on frustrated. I got to do something for him. He's already giving me praise. And I ain't even done a thing yet. He's already telling me thank you. I, mean, I got to handle that. I got to do something about that. Because typically we, well, we wait for the outcome. Before we say thank you, we wait for the outcome before we give God any credit. And God said, can you, can you just show me some faith and just thank me in advance for what I'm going to do in your life? Some of y'all need to right now go to like get you some streamers, get you some silly streamers. Yeah. Have a tailgate party. Why are you thanking them? Because I'm thanking them in advance. I'm thanking them in advance for what he's going to do in my life. Are y'all hearing this today? It's interesting, and I'll close with this, because me and my queen, we, it's funny, because we, in our prayer life, we um, work really hard at it, and when I say really hard at it, to have a conversation with God, and I notice my prayers are becoming less and less 
less and less talking and more and more trying to listen and hear what God says. And we have our little prayer closet set up and everything, and our kids have their prayer closets and, and devotionals. And Destiny, my six-year-old, she's the prayer coordinator. Like, every night at her bedside, we all have to come to her bedside. I don't know why that's the meeting spot. And while she lays in bed, comfortable tucked in, and <laughs> we're all on our knees crunched up around her little bed, and she's like, okay, we're going to say our prayers, and then... Um, you got to pray for everybody. And she says, Mom, okay, you pray. And then, Sissy, you pray. And then, Dad, you close out the prayer and close us all out, okay? All right. And then I'm going to open it up. I'm, I'm like, okay. So we just, it's funny. Don't be late on your part either. Like, she'll say her part. And when you next, she'll nudge Mom like, yo, it's your time. Pray. <laughs> and then I love it because she'll interrupt you in the middle. Don't forget. Pray for this. I love it. It's cool. So we'll pray and everything. And. Last year, uh, 2018, opened up very kind of turbulent for us. It was a kind of turbulent year just personally because just all types of nonsense was coming at us. Um, I lost um, a cousin and two friends all under under the age of 37. And it's interesting because my cousin, one had a heart failure, 37 years old, 36, had a heart failure. Another good friend of mine, we called him the war machine. He was in Afghanistan with us. I mean, that dude could pick up this whole building and just throw it, you know, for no reason. And we literally called him War Machine because, like, dude, nothing, nothing can kill you, dude. You're just a beast. 35 years old, had a heart attack. And then another friend of mine, childhood friend, um, OD'd. And then, shoot, another family member um, took his life. And it's just like, man, what in the world is going on? And I felt powerless in so many ways. Me and my queen felt so powerless. And we was like, we don't know what to do, but we're going to look to him. And we would go into our prayer, and we realized that again the enemy right before you're about to have a breakthrough. And my queen, she's been dealing with some health issues and everything. Right before you score is when the enemy turns up the blitz package. And us knowing that is that we call timeout. I felt like every five minutes I'm calling a timeout to get on my knees, to get into that secret place of God, to pray. And it's amazing because now in hindsight 2019, all of the favor that is breaking out in our life is simply because God didn't want us to get to that place because of the things we're going to do and the things he's going to do through us. And can I encourage you today in your prayer life as we close out this series of 21 days of prayer, one that you call the individual timeout to pray with God, but yet you also call the corporate timeout to get together and come into community together and seek God in prayer. Seek his face in Jesus' name. Amen. Can y'all agree with me to do that? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, all over this place, we just thank you for your word that we heard today that we want you to call the plays in our life. God, that we're no longer wanting to be in charge and and wanting to have our own way. But, God, I pray that everyone in this room makes that personal decision, God, that I'm going to get better at partnering with you. I want to be a person that's known that I I walked with God. And it's cool that you walk with me. And, God, I'm grateful for you always being there for me and walking with me. But, God, I'm making that personal decision today to say, you know what, I want to walk with you. And even if you're in here, maybe maybe this is your first time even walking in here and you're hearing about, man, walking with God. You're hearing about him being the coach in your life and and the the lead in your life, wanting to call the plays in your life. And, and if you don't know him, well, guess what? You can make that decision today to join this team, to join this family. He has already made the decision to choose you. The fact that you were born, you are his number one pick. You are the number one draft pick. God has decided he wants you. That's why you were born. And so today you can make that decision. Even sitting there in your seat, Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sins, you shall be saved. If that's you today, you can sit there and make that declaration right now in your seat. And and welcome to the family. Welcome to the team. 
And it's my heart and my prayer that everyone gets in their playbook. God, they study your word like never before and that they have conversations with you that whenever you speak into their life, their life will never be the same. And God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you.